afternoon and thank you for joining us on a very special episode of Ask Sharifa Videocast. Today's guest is a very special friend of mine. He's someone who when everyone else sees the world one way, oh, he has a completely different view, which is always interesting, entertaining, and enlightening. So I'm pretty sure you are going to enjoy today's interview with one of my friends, Mr. Daniel Alexa. Daniel, good afternoon. How are you? I'm great, Sharifa. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm excited. I must admit, I usually do not get nervous before shows, but I was a little nervous before this show because I know you, and I know you're unpredictable. So I like, <laughs> hit me with one that I don't know. So audience, I definitely want you to tune in. I definitely want you to go ahead. I'm going to share this interview as, as well right now to my personal page. But definitely share this interview. If you have questions, if you have comments, please be sure to add them in the comment section and I'll go ahead and read them to today's guest. And like I said, share because friends do not let friends miss out on Ask Sharifa. So for our audience, Daniel, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I currently, my, my role is to help people get rid of the negative loop that's in their head all those thoughts that come up that we hear so often um, telling us we can't do something or there's no money in doing that or why would I do that? I could never do it. All those limiting voices that are false. We learned them from somebody else. We took on that belief and it's not helping us live our best life. Um, I help clients overcome and reprogram that thought process to be supportive, positive thoughts that actually help them to live and step into their ideal life, their, their big vision for living a, a happy, joyful life of success. Well, that's wonderful. So how did you start that? How did you get into that field? I was miserable. <laughs> I, was, oh, yeah. I was that guy living the corporate, the corporate job that was just soul sucking. Mm -hmm. And this was about five years ago, I hit that wall. And life has got to be better. I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm not enjoying myself. My health is my health is declining. Yet I, I'm feeling like there could be something better. If, if that was okay, I wouldn't have been stressed about it. Um, mm -hmm. And I stepped back and really started to ask myself, why, why am I going to this place? Um, at the moment, that moment in time, I'd been reading two different books. One was Black Hole Focus by Isaiah Hankel. And the other is Black, um, excuse me, Blue Zones, mm -hmm. about the five, four or five areas in the world where people live to be over 100 and healthy at a statistically incredible rate. And both books mentioned this idea out of Okinawa, which Okinawa is one of the blue zones, that Okinawans don't have a word for retirement in their language, but they do have a word that roughly translates to the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. And it's about living with purpose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this idea appears twice within the space of about seven or 10 days. Okay. And it's like, uh, this, is, this is too strange that it popped up into very semi-unrelated books, very different fields, I'm supposed to pay attention to it. And I started mm -hmm. asking myself, what is my purpose? Why am I going to this job that I hate? Um, and one day I got a call from a client and it became very clear that my, one of my gifts is problem solving. I enjoy it. 
And when I realized that, I started wondering, where do I take that? Where, where can I take this skill into a place where I can help others because that's my other calling and be successful? And in what I can only call a moment of universal alignment, hypnotherapy literally dropped in my lap. It, it, it was very much a shut up and take my money moment. It, it was mm-hmm. too blatant to ignore. And I began a fi- or 500-hour training program in Florida, in Naples. And uh, nine months later, graduated, opened my practice, and started serving the community. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So when you, before you opened your, your practice, were you currently working, currently employed? Uh, no, I, I walked away at that moment. I, okay. when, when I left um, the last company that I worked for at the end of 2014, I completely stepped away. I was living on my 401k. Um, I had, you know, I had a little gig there that paid the bills while I was going to school, but it was just there to pay the bills and was completely focused on me. No, the reason I asked that is because so often one of the number one questions that I'm asked by entrepreneurs is how do you do that? How do you just walk away? How do you just quit your day job? You know, for me, I was I was laid off over about eight times, you know, mm-hmm. so the doors kept closing and then I had to recreate myself and recreate myself and recreate myself. But for someone who's employed, they often find it difficult to let go of, of what they consider a steady paycheck and move out into the unknown. So what was that process like for you? For me, it was, there was a combination of things going on as I look back at it. And the first one was I had been contributing to my 401k. So Mm -hmm. I knew I had a cushion of money. um, So that there was a little bit of a a safety zone there. The -hmm. other thing was, as I looked at, how I was feeling mm-hmm. and how do I want to say this? There's, there's that moment of really hard realization that this thing that I'm doing is not serving me. And why am I allowing myself to be miserable in the moment? Mm-hmm. And I just, for me, I tend to be a planner. I like to lay everything out and know what my path is. Mm-hmm. And in this moment that was not serving me. Um, I was trying too hard to control the outcome in the path and I had to just literally say, I'm done. I had some things happening in that space around it where um, my current wife and I were relocating from Kansas City to Florida. So there were things that were out of my control other than, you know, I could have said no, but I wasn't going to do that. Um, That factors around what I was doing were changing that even if I wasn't burned out in that industry, it didn't exist in Naples, Florida, which is a community of about 30,000 in the summer and about 70 to hundred thousand in the winter. What I did did not exist. And it was time for me to reinvent. And when I, when I came to that realization that it was just my time to walk away, that's Mm -hmm. when things opened up. As long as I stayed back in my comfort zone, which was very uncomfortable doors weren't opening there. There was a whole lot of trust that went into to get out of here. And the universe was saying, we got your back. You just have to, you got to take the step. We can't do it for you. And so you moved into hypnotherapy and I know you said it kind of fell into your lap, but mm-hmm. 
created your process. How long did it take for you to really get your process up and running? I'd not say, necessarily profitable. I didn't want to interrupt you, but not necessarily profitable, but up and running. Um, there's, there's two factors that go into that. First off, it, the first wave of really getting comfortable with my patter and my, my induction in particular took me a good, I'd say easily two months of practice. Okay. Um, and there were things that I was doing behind the scenes to practice because there is a pace and an intonation and the way that certain words are, are focused on and, and uh, addressed that go into helping guide someone into that relaxed state. So on that front end, just the tools of it and the technique took me a good two months in Florida. <clears throat> Three months after I opened my business, I discovered or found out we were moving to Los Angeles. So <laughs> I started over from scratch um, mm -hmm. four years ago. When, when we moved here, I knew three people in the state, my wife, her brother, and her mother. <laughs> so it was really ground zero of how do I build a business? And it's funny, I was in my way for a lot of that, that I got into a lot of uh, frustration of having to start over and go through all of it. But at the same time, I was going through it aware of the process which was interesting because now I can help clients who are stuck in it, not seeing it. Mm -hmm. And really it took um, only about nine months to a year to really get things rolling, starting from absolute zero. Mm -hmm. So it took about a year in Los Angeles for you to really get, get things rolling. Now, yeah. um, hypnotherapy, I don't want to use the word controversial, but um, you know, everybody's not necessarily a believer of hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. What is what what is your view? What is your your take and your thoughts on that? When you say not a believer, help me understand the the statement so I can better answer the question. There you go, Daniel. You you understand me. I mean, some people will argue that hypnotherapy doesn't even work. That it's a made up thing that people are acting, they just, you know, going through but their life doesn't actually change. Okay. So for the first part of that that people are acting that tends to come from experience of people seeing stage shows or TV or movies, particularly stage shows, where there's a good chance that person might be. Okay. Um, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. And what I mean by that is when a client comes to see me or any practitioner, they have to be comfortable with that practitioner to allow themselves to relax into that, that new brainwave state which is the same state that we're in right before we fall asleep into deep REM sleep. It's, it's the theta brainwave. So mm -hmm. as, as you and I are talking here and our listeners, your listeners are listening to us, we're at beta brainwave. Mm -hmm. When we start looking out the window and daydreaming and 20 minutes goes by and it feels like five, that's alpha. We're just slowing down, we're experiencing some time shift. The next level down is theta, where we do most of our hypnotic work. And then below that is deep REM sleep, which is delta. So hypnosis takes place in a natural state of mind. It's just we are inducing it rather than experiencing it by falling asleep. So it's not anything spooky. It's not anything weird. It's not mind control. I have no control over the client. Mm -hmm. I am merely there to help guide them into that relaxed state where we have a conversation or I deliver suggestions to them. I cannot 
um, what's the, how do I want to say this? I cannot make them do anything they don't want to do. I can't tell them to go across the street and rob the bank or go beat up their friend or anything like that. You cannot be um, controlled in hypnosis and you cannot be made to do anything that is not within your moral code. Mm-hmm. Um, you also remember the entire session. That's okay. one of my biggest frustrations with stage shows is that the end of a lot of these shows when it's for entertainment, it's not for therapeutic purposes. So for entertainment, the hypnotist will say things like, and you don't remember what happened on this stage. Mm-hmm. And then the person is brought out of that state of awareness and they're like, oh, what happened? And their friends are laughing at mm-hmm. them, which makes them feel even stranger. It's, mm-hmm. it's so disingenuous and it irritates me to no end. Mm-hmm. Because it, it is probably the biggest factor that any hypnotherapist has to overcome in getting their business rolling is to deal with that crap from stage shows and movies and TV. Mm-hmm. Now, I can imagine because you that was new information for me. I always just assumed that you did the session. You didn't know what was going on. You were talking to because even in movies, you see that person who's hypnotized. They don't remember anything. They're just talking and giving answers, barking like a dog, whatever it is. They wake up. What happened? I have like you said, I have no idea. So that's definitely good to know. So that means that when you're having a session and you're working with the hypnotist, you're conscious, you're aware, you're just in a different state. Yeah, the the big thing that happens is the churn of our conscious mind, all those thoughts that rattle around in our head is quieted and we are having direct conversation with the subconscious, which is where we hold our emotions, hold our beliefs about ourselves. And to answer the other part of of what you just said there, um, that stage show, that person that, you know, maybe I have a friend who is so shy and withdrawn that they are literally a wallflower. They'll, they'll go find the spot where the party is going to be held so they see what the wallpaper looks like and they can buy a matching suit and just blend in. Yes. That person who goes up on stage and is suddenly dancing like a chicken or singing, singing some music or something, deep down inside them, they really want to be the center of attention. Okay. And that's what's coming out when they are then relaxed into that space and given, essentially giving themselves the permission to, this is a safe space for me to express myself. And then they go out and express themselves. So hypnotist in that state, and and I I really despise the word hypnotist um, because of that connotation. So hypnotherapy, it wouldn't be therapy if you didn't remember the work that was done and the process and the shift that took place. So what are some of the benefits of hypnotherapy? One of the big benefits is quieting that limiting belief, those old limiting beliefs and the old programming that we took on typically as kids that doesn't serve us anymore and reframe it from an adult perspective that is positive and supportive so that, we, the client can go out and live their life free mm-hmm. from those things that were holding them back before. Mm-hmm. Because you, I hear about hypnotherapy usually with cigarettes or, mm-hmm. you know, someone who is trying to commit to losing weight. Mm-hmm. So how does hypnotherapy help with things such as this? So when I've worked with smokers, I don't, strangely, I don't work with many, but the, mm-hmm. when we do work where, There's the the physical motion of lifting the cigarette, which so many people have as a trigger that when they they go on the process of, and I say becoming a non-smoker, 
because there's there is a negative stigma to the word quit. Okay. So when you say, "Oh, I'm a quitter," even right. though I'm giving up something that's that in the in the long run is healthy for me, I'm giving up something that's negative. There's still the stigma attached to quitter. So in in my conversation about that movement. I talk about it as become a non-smoker because if you were okay. to talk to a friend who never smoked, they would say, I'm a non-smoker. Um, what we'll find is the emotional triggers as to what is it? Why? What's the why behind the reason they're picking up that cigarette? And maybe it's an emotional thing for comfort, just like with someone who wants to lose weight, that's comfort eating. Um, mm -hmm. That back when they, when they were a kid and they were sad, there maybe their grandmother gave them ice cream or a fresh baked pie. And right. if I eat, I feel better because there's love in that food. Yeah. Or they may be doing it with cigarettes to fill time. I'm bored. I was in the military and, you know, we just started smoking because there was a whole lot of standing around and waiting. It was a way to pass the time and actually be part of a group outside. Mm -hmm. Or we learn in, in a work environment that, you know, if, if I'm a smoker, I get a couple extra breaks a day and I can go outside. This, this is serving me in the short term, getting me right. out away from my desk, but it's not serving in the long term. Yes, but your focus really is on helping people, not only with hypnotherapy, but you serve in a manner of different ways. And you also have a couple of different books, correct? I do. I have two, um, Practical Manifesting and A Pessimist Guide to Manifesting, both co-authored with Iris Turner, which are about embodying the shift and making that move. The first one, um, Practical Manifesting, is really a grounded look at the idea of, of the, the world of creating and manifesting, which most people are aware of with the secret. Um, okay. So the idea of creating and manifesting in the current grounded way of talking about it is called life mastery. And it's about get clear on what you want mm -hmm. and then do the work. I'm going to close my window. It sounds like there's some chainsaws going on outside here. One second. Okay. So we're closing the window. There we go. We we're back. Sorry about okay. that. I didn't realize the ground okay. outside. Um, okay. So with, with the idea of what do I want? I, I am actively, and all of us are actively creating our lives at any minute, but what are we creating from? Are we creating from the idea of I am going somewhere and I want to get to that place? Or are we creating from the past that I've done something for my entire life and this is all I know? Or from the present of this is what I'm doing right now and I hope it leads me somewhere because you know I'm just doing my gig. But when we start focusing on where we want to go and how we want to feel and take intentional focused action toward that goal, mm -hmm. we'll get that. We'll feel a lot better about it and we'll get there a lot faster than what we think we can. Um, Isaiah Henkel, one of my mentors, the gentleman who wrote black hole focus, he talks about, we can set a five-year goal mm -hmm. when, we, when we start, when we get clear on that goal and what we want out of it and how we want to be, and start taking that intentional focused action forward, we really underestimate our ability to achieve it. And we'll probably get that five-year goal achieved in two and a half or three years because we're not sidestepping over into Facebook and watching cat videos. <laughs> I like those cat videos. They're fun. They, they are helpful at times. <laughs> 
But aside from the little cat videos, but why focus on manifestation for a pessimist? Like what even gave you that idea? The idea there was actually came, that title came from my experience and a lot of the people I talked to, their experience with the book, The Secret. Okay. They came away after reading it. And I, I honestly, I, this is how I came away from that book. Oh, I just have to wish for it and it'll work. Right. I, I wish, I wish, I wish. And right. you know, like wish in one hand and do something in the other and see which one gets full first. Right. And it's not about wishing. There's so many other things that go into it. You have to feel you deserve the goal. You actually have to do that four letter word called work and make it happen. Um, right. So the idea that it doesn't work is where the pessimist comes from. Mm-hmm. And if you go into something expecting it not to work, guess what's mm-hmm. going to happen? It's not going to work. It's going to work. So the, the pessimist guide is about, it, it's a deep dive into the, each of the 21 laws of creating and manifesting mm-hmm. and how we tend to come at them out of alignment and then how to shift our focus, shift our vibration, shift our energy into being in alignment with that law to make the things that we want to happen in life happen more easily. So what are some of the feedback and responses you have from the pessimists who are trying to manifest? They are suddenly realizing that things are happening, that they Mm -hmm. get clear on their goal and they feel a lot better because rather than coming from maybe a fear-based outcome that Mm -hmm. I'm holding on to this thing in my life because I'm afraid of what life would be like without it, that there's there's maybe a short-term gain of holding on to it, that when they let it go and start moving to a loving relationship with their outcome or maybe just releasing and saying, you know what? It's okay. Whatever happens, it's okay. Mm-hmm. That they open up just like when I, when I moved to Florida and stepped into hypnotherapy, opportunities opened up mm-hmm. when I was suddenly aware of the doors in front of me instead of just seeing the wall because every wall yeah. has at least one door. Yes, it does. Now, Daniel, I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to say it's cause and effect, but I will tell you that I read your book about the pessimist guide to manifestation, and then all of a sudden, I decided to run for city council for the city of Long Beach. So, again, I'm not saying that there was a connection. I'm just saying that that's what happened, you know, and I, and I, I, I won't, I was about to say I read the secret. I will say I've seen the secret. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it and didn't feel the need to um, read it. I saw part of the video and just seeing part of the video. I was like, no, this is not for me because I came away from it literally the same way that you did, that it was more of a, a wish or, you know, visualize and just visualize, you know, and then you saw everybody with the vision boards and this different thing. But those same people, their lives were exactly the same. And for me, I have a sales background. I've been teaching sales training since the 90s. And so I always tell people my favorite law is the law of averages. You know, get out in front of more people, talk to more people. That's going to increase your sales better than just sitting at home wishing or visualizing the life that you want. Like you said, that four-letter word, work. So I, for one, really enjoyed your book. And again, if you're just now tuning in, we're speaking with Mr. Daniel Alexa. We're talking about his hypnotherapy practice, which you can find out more about at DanielAlexa.com, as well as his two books. And we're going to cover a few more topics. So if you haven't shared this interview 
you definitely want to go ahead and share it now. And if you have questions, if you have comments and want to join the conversation, please go ahead and ask them in the comment section and I'll go ahead and read them to today's guests. So Daniel, is that you? First, I'm just distracted for a minute. Is that you in that picture back there? <laughs> this one here? Yes. <laughs> I had this drawn by a guy named Marcus Newsom. Um, <laughs> I am a huge comic book fan. Okay. And there was um, an event at the Comic Bug here in Manhattan Beach a few months okay. back. And I had uh, this portrait drawn, which strangely enough looks like, all, as it was drawn, I realized I look like Peter Parker from the early Spider-Man comics. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, that is me. Yes. I like it. I like it. You have a lot of books. You're doing a lot of reading, improving your mind. But I want to go back. I'm jumping around, but I want to go back to hypnotherapy for a minute. What is a session with you like? What can someone expect? Is this a one-hour process and you're healed and, you you know, life will never go back to being the same? Or, you know, I signed up for five years as you as my BFF. And But how does this process so first off, my goal with my practice, whether I am doing hypnotherapy or whether I'm doing coaching, is to be obsolete in my life. Uh, obsolete in my life. Wow, there was, there was a Freudian slip. Obsolete <laughs> in my client's life okay. at the appropriate time as quickly as possible. And that okay. doesn't mean doing the work sloppily. That means doing the proper amount of work to self-empower them mm -hmm. so that they don't need me as a crutch. I'm there okay. to help them get to that new place they want to be. And typically it's three to five sessions. Okay. Um, sessions are two hours each. So in the, the very first one, there's a whole lot of discussion and dialogue before we ever go to the hypnotic stage. Because um, okay. I really, I need to understand where they are now. We need, we need to really understand where's that place they're starting, what's going on in this moment, and then where do they want to go and start mm -hmm. mapping the course between where we are now and where they want to be. Then subsequent sessions will go into deeper work. Um, I, I love the technique of parts therapy, which is the idea that we all have subordinate parts to our personality, not divergent, but subordinate. And that they are always trying to help us, but they may have stopped growing at some point. We were talking earlier about the person who wants to lose weight, but there's a part of them that just has to have that ice cream. Right. That's me. <laughs> yeah. When we talk to that part, realize that it's just trying to help them feel good in the moment. Mm -hmm. And when we thank it for doing its job and say, you, you really, you're, you're not helping this person get to where they want to be. How could you do your job differently? Or we'll have that, the person tell it, this is what I want you to do. And instead of ice cream, I would like you to have me eat a salad instead. Not that maybe that's sustainable in the long term, <laughs> but we, we steer it toward healthy, or maybe it's just reducing the amount of ice cream. And we're mm -hmm. not going to have an entire quart of Ben and Jerry's, but every night, but maybe instead we do like a pint on Saturday. Okay. <laughs> so okay. we have the, the, the caloric balance. Right. No, I, I think I'm, I might have to have a session, but we talked about the hypnotherapy, but you just talked a little bit about the coaching, which we hadn't discussed um, as of yet. But one of the things that I find interesting about you is that there's, there are a lot of people who claim that they're coaches. You actually are able to help people become certified as a coach, correct? Yes, I uh, I work with the or work for the Certified Life Coach Institute out of Orange County, and I travel around the country um, about almost every other weekend, teaching okay. people to become 
certified life coaches through okay. um, a class that is an ICF certified, so International Coach Federation. They are one of the organizations working to bring oversight and structure to coaching because right now it's an unlicensed field. Anyone can go out and say, hi, I'm a life coach. Look at me. Let me help. Yes. I like that. And because when I was doing, I started, I launched my first radio show in 2009. And that, you know, obviously that was right after the economic upheaval in 2008. And so I saw Boone in life coaches. Everyone was a life coach. And so I'm getting guests on the show and coach for me became just another word for unemployed. It's like, you know, so persons out there, they're not working. They can't find a job. I've been, you know, teaching this for a long time. I'm a coach. Let me coach some people. But there was no accreditation, no certificate. It was just somebody who felt like I want to coach people because my, my life was hard. So I'll talk to them about ways to improve their life. So that's why I, I really love the fact that you actually have a way to certify people, a training process that's consistent for people. And and what I like about it, the other side of it is there's, there's a real irony in the coaching field that as an, as an unlicensed field, you can have people come in and just like you're saying, it's like, oh, well, I've done this for so long. I'll just be a coach in that space. Yet, if they're not willing to invest in themselves, why should a client invest in them? Correct. Right. The, there's, if, if you're going to walk the walk, or if you're going to yes. talk the talk, walk it. Um, yes. And that, that was something that was really important for me when I stepped into that realm of my business, that I could have called myself a coach because of the training I received in hypnotherapy, learned mm -hmm. a lot of the tools that we use as coaches, but I didn't feel authentic in it, mm -hmm. that I, I'm just not, not feeling it. I want to know what this practice is. And the big reason I went into it is what we started talking about, the people who were afraid of hypnotherapy, mm -hmm. that when I would be out either in professionally networking or when my wife and I were out um, just socially and I'd meet people and they'd ask, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. Evenly split. There were those people who thought it was the coolest thing ever. Mm -hmm. And the other half thought I was going to make them dance like a chicken when I shook their hand. <laughs> there, there was no gray area. And like, I, I want to help them too. So how do I do that? And coaching was the option. Okay. So what are some of the benefits of coaching? Coaching. So coaching takes place on the conscious level, just like we're talking here. Coaching is very much focused in the now. Where are you now? So it's not about therapy and digging around in the past, but it, it's self-empowering the client. Um, when I'm teaching, I'll talk to the students about, Coaching, if, if you want to turn it into a biblical phrase, coaching, coaching is about teaching the client to fish rather than giving them a fish. Yes. I am not giving advice. That is not my role as a coach. Mm -hmm. My job is to help ask them the questions that help them realize that they have all the answers inside them. Mm -hmm. um, going back to Virginia Satir and even um, his name, just Milton Erickson, mm -hmm. that the client is okay. All of us are okay. We have forgotten it at times, which is why we get stressed out and think we, we don't know what to do, but we do. And when we really get tuned into that, that sense of, I know what I'm doing and start honoring our inner guidance system, whether we want to call it intuition or instinct, when we get back in tune with that, we can go make our own self-empowered choices. So it's mm -hmm. my job to get the client back in tune with what they want to what they want to do in life and know that they've got all the tools to do it. And if there's something they 
don't have, they know where to go find it. Right. Well, you seem much different from a lot of other coaches. So are your coaching sessions the same as your hypnotherapy sessions where you want to be obsolete in their life as soon as possible? Yes. Okay. And what is some of the criteria for becoming a a coach? So through the, through an ICF program, um, you would be attending a training. Um, So with life coach, the certified life coach Institute, we do a three day weekend training. We'll okay. start on Friday morning, go through Sunday afternoon, and really dig deep in, in our level one training is about learning, particularly learning the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So imagine it's, it's like playing little league and you're picking up ground balls 10,000 times, making sure the ball doesn't get past you. Mm-hmm. And then as we go into level, and, and it's all about really learning the reflective listening model. Okay. of being, using the client's words, being in their space, understanding how to step into their world mm-hmm. and get out of our fixer mode that so many of us tend to listen in that, oh, I know exactly what you should do. You just go do this. Right. That right. may not be the right thing for them. And then if, if I do something like that, am I teaching them to fish? No, I'm imposing my life into theirs, my perception. And I'm saying, oh, here's your fish, just go away. <laughs> And that's, that's not helpful. Yes. No, I I mean, I completely agree. You know, I used to, sometimes I do readings for people. I've done readings for people. And now it's like a a kind of joke with everyone. Like Sharifa doesn't read for people anymore. And and part of the the reason is, is because I found that a lot of people just simply want me to fish for them. Like that's Uh really all they want is for me to give them the answers, to tell them what to do. And then they, they may or may not go and do it, but whether they go and do it or not, they tend to come back, you know, for some more fish or some more directions or for more, some more instructions. Then what I began to learn is that I'm more of a crutch than anything else that I've taken away their ability to even decide. They're just Sharifa said it, Sharifa told me to do it. And that's what I'm doing. I had to kind of, step back and look at the entire process. So I completely agree. So you talked a little bit about the training session. Are there any prerequisites to becoming a life coach? No, not really. I, I think what I find as I teach around the country, what tends to be the common thread running through the lives of every student that I've worked with is mm-hmm. that in some way, shape or form, they are the go-to person for their family and friends. Okay. And now it's time for them to get paid for giving, giving the advice that used to be free. And okay. so as they are the advice giver, they have been up to that point now understanding that this is a shift, that coaching may not be what they thought it was because we are not giving advice as coaches. Um, but honoring that intuition of the thing that I want to say that is coming up for me and instead instead of stifling it down, how do you shift that awareness into a question that becomes the thing that causes the client's light bulb to go off? Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I like that. I mean, I'm like sitting here now, like now I want to be a life coach. I want to be a coach. I want to take this class. I just I always can love- up with that dream. <laughs> I got to add all this, these things, some accolades and things to my resume. So I might actually consider that, but Daniel, we talked about your hypnotherapy. We talked about your books, your two books that you have, both on manifestation, your coaching practice, but wait, there's more. There's more. Yes. 
You're the president of the Long Beach chapter of the Holistic Chamber of Commerce as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I recently took over the chapter from the previous president, Daniel Gutierrez, who mm -hmm. uh, just moved to Peru to open up the Catalina Retreat Center, mm -hmm. where I will be holding two retreats next year. Um, one oh, okay. in July, July 19th through the 25th, and the other in the beginning of December, where we're going to be doing some of this deeper work in hypnotherapy and coaching, helping helping the retreat participants to really step into their big vision of their life. It'll be a, a very intensive week that will be balanced with uh, going to Machu Picchu, visiting PSAC, really meeting the locals, meeting the local shaman, and doing that deep work in, in the balance of the sacred valley. So coming out of a very spiritual experience in Peru, coming into now, a space and a new energy. They're going to come into that new space and new energy in Peru. But what about the space and the new energy in Long Beach? What are some of your goals, vision, thoughts of what you want to do with the chapter? I want to see us become the mover and the shaker in networking in Long Beach to okay. really get out and get connected with the Chamber of Commerce and other big business groups to mainstream the holistic practices. We've got so many wonderful practitioners from chiropractors to naturopaths to acupuncturists to other hypnotherapists to angel healers and people very much in the spiritual space who are all bringing healing and awareness I want to get us into the mainstream realm that holistic doesn't mean spooky. Mm -hmm. um, and in, as part of that, on September 7th, we are co-hosting or sponsoring, co-sponsoring an event in San Pedro at the San Pedro Masonic Lodge that's called oh, wow. Esoteric Con. A number of the members of the uh, Long Beach chapter of the Holistic Chamber are going to be exhibiting there. And I am one of the, I believe there are six speakers that day. I'm one of the six. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Now, when is your next Long Beach chapter? On Tuesday, one week from tonight, on Tuesday the 13th at 7 o'clock at Soma Integrative Health Center. Okay. And what are some of the topics that are being covered? Well, we have you. What a great lead-in on uh, building, marketing your holistic business. We have Dr. Tara Rasta talking about um, improving your energy and productivity. And mm -hmm. we also have a gentleman coming down from the Santa Monica chapter because we all love each other so much. Tara's coming yeah. from Irvine. Um, AG is coming from Santa Monica to talk about his movement makers process and uh, how to get involved in creating something that is bigger than you. So all three of you guys are going to flow very well together with each having your own moment to shine in the spotlight that night. Wow, I love it. It sounds very exciting. If people are interested in more information or joining the chapter, where can they go? They can initially, they can come to the, the chapter meeting next week on, uh, on Tuesday, the 13th. Uh, we start at seven o'clock, go to about nine. They can also check out the chapter's Facebook page, Long Beach, Cha Long Beach Chapter Holistic Chamber of Commerce. And they can also contact me at danielalexa.com or daniel at danielalexa.com. And I'll be happy to get the information out to them on when to check us out, what the, what the HCC is all about and how to become a member. Oh, wow. I, I love it. Now, again, we've covered a lot of different topics. I love speaking with you. You're always giving me a hard time on Facebook, but I won't hold that against you. I still think you're pretty cool. Bye. <laughs> thank <laughs> we, you. Thank you. Thank you. 
You are so welcome. We are coming down to the last few minutes of the show. And what I like to do at the end of every show is just allow my guests the opportunity to speak directly to the audience, people who are watching it live, as well as people who are watching in the archives, and just let them know what you would like for them to take away from your interview. I think the big thing I'd like for the listeners to take away is that if, as they are listening to this recording, that one, they, they are listening to it for a reason, and that reason is for them to determine. But if they are hearing that recurring loop that I mentioned earlier in the broadcast that is telling them they can't or they should do something that is for someone else's benefit, but it doesn't feel right in, in their soul, in their, their gut instinct, or if they just find that they are stuck and living the same pattern over and over again, living in that circle or beating their head against a wall, that they don't have to. They can step out of that cycle and step into that life that is calling them because that's why they're here on this planet in this lifetime. It's The lesson is to get out of the cycle and stop repeating it. And once you're out of the cycle, what can you live as your highest ideal? I love it. That's wonderful. And you heard it here on Ask Sharif. So for more information, to schedule an appointment, to speak directly with Daniel, please visit his website at danielalexa.com. So Daniel, I want to thank you for being today's guest on Ask Sharifa Videocast. Thank you, Sharifa. See you soon. You are so welcome. Yes, I will see you on the 13th. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. Please go ahead and share this uh, video, share this interview. And if you'd like to be a guest, if you would like to watch more of my interviews or for sponsorship opportunities, please visit the website at ashsharifa.com. Until then, everyone have a wonderful day. Thank you.